Kelly Matthews. Eric Rakowski. That's me. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Welcome to The Recipe, which is the name of the podcast. Didn't know that. Now you know. No. <laughs> um, I appreciate your time. Uh, we're at The Collective, mm-hmm. where we've met, where we've met a lot of great people, some interesting characters. Would love to give the people a little bit of an intro, mm-hmm. um, if you wouldn't mind sharing kind of what got you here, where you were, and sure. all of that. Uh, my name is Kelly Matthews. I'm a coach here at Collective. And I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts, so Mm -hmm. I'm a fellow East Coaster. And I came down here in January of 2021, so Mm -hmm. it was the middle of the pandemic. I had been working as a trainer in Boston at Equinox there for Mm -hmm. quite some time, like six years, I think. And when all the gyms closed, I decided I didn't want to be in Boston anymore. So I came down here. And by the time things had kind of settled and I was ready to be at a gym, I started shopping around a little bit, seeing what was out there. And I was really close to considering accepting a position at a different gym that I wasn't that excited about, but I really wanted to be training people in person again. Mm -hmm. I just like missed that one-on-one connection with people and also Mm -hmm. having coworkers. I am not built to be at home all the time. So, um, like the day after I got that job offer, Jeremy Hills got in touch with me and asked me to come in and check out the space when it was not even close to being done and, you know, gave me the elevator pitch and here we are. All right. Year and a half later. Year and change. Love that. You don't have an accent, Boston accent. No Boston accent. No, I'm a, I mean, I, I grew up in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. uh, like South Shore area, okay. but my parents, yeah, my my parents have pretty non-regional diction. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that. the The Boston accent isn't always the cutest. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite. New yeah. York is a little smoother. Yeah, tiny bit. Yeah, tiny bit. So in Boston, doing some coaching mm-hmm. and sports. You did some soccer. I did. I played I see soccer you in college. Punting football fields now. <laughs> Footballs, yeah. It's a new hobby. Uh-huh. Trying to kick some field goals. Mm-hmm. Figuring out how I can use my skill set without injuring my old body mm-hmm. um but yeah i played soccer in college played soccer my whole life yep um now i kind of just try to be competitive and things that mm-hmm. again won't hurt me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so you know you are you have you are a unique hybrid for many reasons but within our space either you excel at one-on-one coaching in person or group class or as seen you know, probably way too saturated, the online influencer training programs, either you do one or the other, Mm -hmm. you've accomplished both at a very high level. Can you kind of walk us through being here at Collective, rebuilding your book of business, and then just kind of the natural growth of your following? Sure. Um, I'll start with the growth of my following. So a lot of the reason why I didn't leave Boston before I ended up leaving was because of that book of business that I had there. Mm -hmm. As you know, as a coach, it can be really scary to think of starting over and thinking about where you started, which for me, any Equinox trainers out there will know it's floor shifts and handing out towels to members Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just 
working crazy hours because you just have to say yes to everybody until you have enough business to make money. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't really excited about doing that in a different location. Um, but again, I, my business transitioned all to virtual sessions when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at that time when I was at home all the time, I just started creating content because I had more time and I, really wanted to make some passive income or figure out a way to expand my business that didn't require me to work more hours mm -hmm. in training. Cause that's sort of the trainer trap is sure. um, either you raise your prices or you work more hours. It's the only way you're going to make more money mm -hmm. actually training. Correct. So yeah, I just started making content and all I had during the pandemic was kettlebells, mm -hmm. um, kettlebells. And I think one set of dumbbells. So I started posting every day, every other day at, least. Um, and I was just putting out like kettlebell workouts or coaching tips or whatever. And fairly, I honestly fairly consistent with times of post. Do you, do you go? Yeah. I, I didn't think as much about that at the beginning. I definitely was like a night, like from nine to 12 AM mm -hmm. is usually a good sweet spot. Right. Um, I think as you grow your following a little bit more posting time and cadence and stuff doesn't matter quite as much. Okay. Um, but I think you kind of have to afford that luxury. For sure. But I didn't honestly didn't think it would amount to anything. Mm -hmm. But then I started to grow a little bit and started to see some posts get some real exposure. Sure. Um, what worked for me really well was working with other people that were doing similar things to me. So you kind of create this interesting social media community with people that are doing similar coaching or posts or mm -hmm. whatever to you. Um, and there's a lot of reposting and sharing and stuff that works to your advantage. Mm -hmm. And yeah, by, I think I started doing that in like, I don't know, June or July of 2020. And then I remember by December of 2020, I had like a little over 10,000 followers, which mm -hmm. at the time, like, I don't know if you remember, like, I don't feel like it's as big of, even within the last year or two, mm -hmm. but like hitting 10 K on it was Instagram a big deal. was like a big thing. They had swipe up. Yep. Like you only got swipe up if uh -huh. you had 10 K. <laughs> and so I remember being like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I can't believe that. And then it just kind of kept going from mm -hmm. there. It was, it was really crazy. Um, what was the numbers wise from growth? You hit 10 K how long until you hit wherever you're at now with TikTok and Instagram? I honestly, I should know better what the timeline was, but I want to say probably within probably, a year. Yeah. Like within a year, I probably hit like a hundred K. Yep. Um, and then it's been a little bit slower on Instagram, like things. That's what I've learned also is that they change things constantly. They yeah. change the algorithm. They change mm -hmm. what posts get exposure. What's sure. you're rewarded for different things depending mm -hmm. on what they're trying to push. Yep. So there will be times of explosive growth. Like I had this one reel that randomly it completely exploded, and I got sixty thousand followers from that one reel. Wild, which was insane. But I haven't hit anything like that since sure. then. Um, TikTok has kind of been the golden goose for you. Yeah, you know. TikTok. I started um, a little over a year ago, mm -hmm. posting consistently, and it took me a while to figure out my yeah. home there. And I like I had a few posts that did pretty well, and then I kind of came off it because I was like, I can't figure this out. Maybe I'm too old for this because it's it was so it's everybody now, mm -hmm. but it was so Gen Z for oriented sure. at first, and I 
felt like kind of a dinosaur on there. But eventually I hit my stride and it's definitely, it's so much more consistent right now. I think a lot of what people are saying is that TikTok in terms of its lifespan is so early right now that it's similar to building a following when Instagram was brand new, Mm -hmm. where all of those like big influencers kind of, there's a window of opportunity that will never happen again where Mm -hmm. they're allowing creators to grow pretty Mm -hmm. rapidly. So for me, yeah, like I have, I think like almost 820,000 followers on TikTok now. And I've built that in about a year, Mm -hmm. which probably will never be a thing again as they move forward and they figure out um, they get more and more users and Mm -hmm. paid ads and all of the, the saturation that happened on Instagram and Facebook. And, but for right now it's, it's exciting. So I know you, um, coach uh, dominantly through primarily through a uh, ladder mm-hmm. do you have an idea of how many of those convert via TikTok versus Instagram they'll tell me so I uh, they do a great job of making graphs of or charts of mm-hmm. what comes from where and what does well what doesn't do well um, and so they <clears> tell me exactly where everything comes from what we're trying to figure out now is conversion rate because the difference between Instagram and TikTok is Instagram is more storytelling for sure, because like you have stories, you have posts, people go to Instagram to get to know you a little Mm -hmm. bit better. TikTok is very one off. Yeah. And, you know, there's not as much of a get to know you and like figure out your coaching style Mm -hmm. and, and really buy in as much as there is on Instagram. And so for me, I'm really interested to see long term how many of those converted members stay right because I'm, I'm like they watched a 10 second clip of me and mm-hmm. click to the link in bio and sure. and join this program like do they really know what they're getting into probably not mm-hmm. um so i don't know that there's as much staying power with that but the exposure either way is extremely helpful For in sure. terms of growing a program like that how do you navigate just kind of brand capital with it's i'm sure you get posts all the time like hey we'll pay you to promote this product and how do you navigate what makes sense for you and your brand and not diluting it by just saying yes to everything? I just don't have the time or resources to take on too much of that. And I've definitely learned over time that the right things will come Mm -hmm. and you'll know when they're the right things. And I really, yeah, I really don't do much brand promotion. Mm-hmm. I don't have many sponsorships right now. Tim gives me a hard time. He's like, you need an agent. You need like all of these <laughs> things, which he's probably right. And I think I probably could be doing a lot more and getting a little bit more exposure. But mm-hmm. for me, I really like doing, I like having it be mine and yeah. I like doing the work and I like knowing that everything that I've built I built and mm-hmm. that nobody's creating content for me. Nobody, you know, it's sure, like, it's special. Like I, I'm answering the DMS. I'm doing all my stories, which you know is just not the case. And it's, there's no shade to doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Cause if you want to outsource that and do and send your energy somewhere else, great. But for right. me, it's nice for me to look at it and say like, Oh, that's my, I built that yeah. from the ground up. Um, mm-hmm. and I maintain it on my own. So, I think I'm I'm just like pretty choosy about it, and honestly, like the legit offers are a little few and far between. Yeah, I figured. Um, so, I can usually suss out mm-hmm. what's going to work out and what's not going and, to work out. And for the most part, they're all 
in alignment with what you do, yeah, you know, absolutely. and what yeah. you want to be doing, whether it's, um, I believe, Pro, Pro Mix, mm-hmm. um, Mantra Labs, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if there's more. No, I've done uh, more short-term stuff, like I did some Under Armour stuff, yep. but that's even things that I think about that I'm like, I'm very particular about my clothing mm-hmm. and what I wear to work out, what I wear in my life, mm-hmm. so for a long-term partnership for clothing, I mm-hmm. will think long and hard. There are very yeah. particular brands that I would mm-hmm. get into business with because yeah. I just, I like what I like and I don't want to have to be for like, what's worse than having mm-hmm. to wear clothes that you just don't like yeah. to work out because I, I hate wearing a shirt I mean, I now. So I hear you. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> we know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I've, how I've gone about it. It's like, do I like the products? Mm-hmm. Do I actually use the products? And am I comfortable, uh, telling people to buy them? Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Your training yep. is incredible. Thank I've you. experienced it. It's painful, but it's very, very efficient. Um, being like a very independent like Wonder Woman, you know, and, and I'm assuming a lot of your followers are female based. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I could be yeah, overshooting. Sure. Um, how important is that like stigma of like the bulking and the nonsense and because you're someone that shows true strength and like grace at the same time. And I think like that. Yeah. And I think a lot of times women will get very, you know, uh, they'll get very derailed by like, oh my God, that's so heavy. I don't want to be this big. And then they look at you and you're extremely fit, naturally curvy. Yes, it's a a God-given gift. (laughs) But you really work at it and it's a it's an art you know so how important is that like stigma for you and and like teaching women that there is a way to do this it's very important to me but I've also the amount of time spent coaching and in the fitness industry I think is directly correlated to giving less and less of a shit about what people think about you, or Mm -hmm. at least for me, uh, I should definitely speak for myself there. I think it can really go in the other direction, but for me, I, I don't really care what people think of being bulky or building muscle or anything like that. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I've had plenty of women clients like that be like, I don't want to like, I don't want to look like you, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't want to be that big. I'm like, fine, that's fine. Everybody has the right to make their own choices (laughs) about their own body. And I'm not going to force you to lift the weights. Correct. Um, but what's been really wonderful is there has been a shift. There will always be, I do think that our sort of millennial generation and older, I do think a lot of them are stuck in that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to lift too many weights because I'm going to get too big and I'm going to look like a dude, which the reality of the situation is it's really fucking hard to do that. Yeah. Like I would be amazed to see most of the women that are really worried about Mm -hmm. actually build that level of muscle. Like it would take so long and probably performance enhancing drugs. Yeah. And a massive amount of calories. Exactly. Um, yeah, which they're, you know, Mm -hmm. at the same time, most of them are under eating. Mm -hmm. Um, but there has been a big shift towards lifting, getting strong, like get, yeah. And like women being excited about having muscles and 
not really caring about that sort of like mm-hmm. Pilates lengthening and toning type of body and that yeah. I definitely just try my best to appeal mm-hmm. to those kinds of people and empower them to train the way that they want to mm-hmm. train and I think you just end up finding your people mm-hmm. you know like people end up gravitating toward you and that's part of the reason why a big part of the reason why I still like managing all of my own social media stuff because they can feel when it's real. You know, they can feel when you're being you and Mm -hmm. when you're doing what you want to do and putting across the message you want to put across Mm -hmm. and it's not filtered or Mm -hmm. you're not pandering. It's, it's real. Um, and I think that that's most of the feedback that I get about my content and just like kind of the way. Sure. I am in real life too. <laughs> How do you, do you do a good job or fit or try to do a really good job with managing the, I mean, there's so many people, but like making it intimate per person and whether that's remembering that they have a trip coming up or maybe they had a hardship lately, even if it's just social media and you, they're on your program, and you haven't met them. Uh, do you find yourself like reaching out to those people and engaging I try. There's definitely people that they become sort of constants in your DMs or within... Ladder's really wonderful because it's so focused on community. Mm -hmm. Such a big aspect of why people stay on Ladder, I think, is because there is a community that's built there Mm -hmm. and you get to know each other. So, yeah, I definitely, within... We have a team chat where everybody just contributes and, and talks about their lifts, talks about their days... And you get to know people in there too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely try hard to mm-hmm. keep it personal and, mm-hmm. and let them know that I am getting to know them and yeah. I value them individually, that it's mm-hmm. not just like, oh yeah, like you leave, we'll just plug in somebody else. Like that's definitely not mm-hmm. how I feel about it. But there also is a certain level of protecting your own space, peace, peace, you yeah. know, and like not feeling the need to be answering DMs 24 seven. Sure. There, there has to be boundaries, but there are definitely plenty of DMs that I look at and I'm like, they don't really need me to answer that. No. Like it's not a, yeah. that's not a question they need answered by me. So I do filter it cause mm-hmm. I don't want to spend half my day answering DMs, yeah. but I do try my best to mm-hmm. have some one-on-one interaction with people yeah. when it's warranted on that note. And I try to think of, I think of this concept in kind of like a, a 90, 10, uh, perspective and it's talking in, in the conversation regarding leadership and um, being a entrepreneur or a savant in your field 90% of the characteristics are probably very much the same I get up early and I work hard and I'm the first in last to leave and you know and da 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 all the all the kind of the one hit wonder lines 90% of Anyone that is putting in the work will probably check those boxes. But then there's, I, I find this like 10% margin of like the secret ingredients, mm-hmm. you know, that really make the greats stand out. Um, if you had to, you know, just pat yourself on the back or just kind of <laughs> share, share with me and us, what does that 10% look like for you? Well, I wouldn't even consider myself part of that 90%. And to be honest with you, I think a huge chunk of the people that do are full of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've learned by, you can start to get to know people at, like, as I've met more and more people doing what I do, y- you know, somebody that knows somebody and you're like, Oh yeah, that huge podcaster that talks about his morning routine every single day. 
is full of shit. He doesn't right. do any of it. For sure. So like <laughs> I don't I'm someone that doesn't think that there's like a secret recipe mm-hmm. to like being successful mm-hmm. other than just being genuine and I don't know. I mean obviously there's people that are full of shit, but yeah. like eventually people find out that you're full of shit. Right. Right? Like eventually it mm-hmm. just comes out that you know you're not doing what mm-hmm. you say you do, you're not doing what you tell other people right. to do. Um maybe my 10% is I do I feel like I walk the walk and I definitely you acknowledge it. Yeah. And I definitely don't pretend like I get up. I do not get up at five in the morning to journal and meditate (laughs) and do all that shit. I don't, I sleep because I think sleep is good for me. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I like to sleep. I like to like wake up Mm -hmm. and like get a hug for my boyfriend, get some skin contact, get up and walk my dogs and do what I like to do. Um, and that, that, that realism and authenticity is that 10% I think for you. That's the ingredients. It's the only thing I know how to do. So mm-hmm. I guess that's, yeah. It, yeah and that, you'll be surprised. I've been fortunate and sometimes unfortunate to be around some very unique individuals within their industries or space. And, and a lot of them have these massive following or people that look up to them and admire them. And it's all fluff, mm-hmm. you know, especially doing what we do. There's a wall down immediately. We're in their space. There's mm-hmm. a trust. You start to see a lot of the holes yeah. um, that are hidden. Segway, Mr. Riley, Tim <laughs> Riley, yeah, Meat Rocket, our boy. <laughs> uh, talk to me a little bit about just where you guys are now in your relationship. And it's just a beautiful thing to see because you're a team. Mm-hmm. And every team has hardship and... You know, some days where you're like, especially because you guys work together at Collective for a good portion of the week, you know, I'm sure there's some days where it's like, you stay there, I'm going to stay here. And then there's days where it's like, it's beautiful when you guys cross paths on the turf. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just talk to me about your boy. Um, yeah, I think that meeting at work can be precarious in mm-hmm. certain scenarios and like you said, we've definitely, it hasn't been rainbows and butterflies and sunshine the entire time mm-hmm. by any means. It's been hard at certain points. Um, and during those times, seeing that person, you're like, either you're mad or you're like, it's mm-hmm. you're having a hard time controlling your emotions. So we've definitely had that. But now where we're at, so we live together now. And it's funny because I although I'm someone that very much values alone time and doing my own thing. I think because he's so busy here, Mm -hmm. he's full-time training in person. So usually he's here from like 7 or 8 a.m. And by the time he gets home, it's 7.30 or 8 Mm p.m. And that's not my schedule. I usually work here in the morning. So I actually love that we're both here because sometimes we get to have lunch together Mm -hmm. or sometimes we get to steal like... 15 minutes to just like hug and you know be sweet to each other Mm -hmm. for a minute (laughs) um but i think from a higher level standpoint what allows us to i don't know i think like share this much of our lives without i always looked at couples like that that were together a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and like you're like what's up there you know like something's off or something (laughs) because I've never experienced that before 
but it is really very real to me that like we're very much in it together um we do a lot of work we read books together we Mm -hmm. both go to therapy we have very consistent rituals that allow us to maintain our relationship at the level that it's at and it took us a little bit to get there and but now it is like i really genuinely enjoy being mm-hmm. around him as much as i can be mm-hmm. um because that's sort of home to me now and i definitely don't want to speak for him but it it feels like that's a mutual yeah <laughs> that's a mutual thing mm-hmm. um and i think we both like really respect each other's work and really like i think he's a really fantastic coach i love watching him work and mm-hmm. work with people and like he asks me questions about content all the time like there's a really good mutual respect and i think admiration which Mm -hmm. is important um yeah so it's good i don't know i don't know what else to say about it but it's (laughs) it's nice now because we're in in such a good rhythm Mm -hmm. and you guys have some kids a few dogs right (laughs) we got two dogs a cat and a five-year-old yeah. child that is not mine. Uh-huh. But, uh, you seem so she, great with Adeline, though. She's the best. Mm-hmm. She's um, she's five years old. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have to do much mm-hmm. at all because Tim is a very competent parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to do all the fun stuff. It's kind of like being a fun aunt, mm-hmm. you know, where it's yeah. just like, He's in the trenches when she's having sure. the meltdowns yeah. and I get to like color and yeah, like yeah. do crafts and run around with her. So mm-hmm. it's, it's great. Yeah. It's been special, um, to meet him personally, be friends with him and just most of us in here, you know, it's been a pretty curated group. It's been a great curated group. Um, a lot of good, good laughs and behind the scenes stuff. Uh, What's next for Kelly? Like what I'm sure you have some goals in terms of performance with work and personally uh, and even just kind of your alignment with the collective and where do you see that going and growing? Yeah, I that can be in flux a lot of the time, I think. Um, I was just having a conversation with Tim over lunch about the future of my I still have virtual clients that I see from Boston that I love. And then I have my clients here. And then I started, I bought an like actual real camera and I've started shooting for YouTube Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be editing and doing all that stuff myself. So time is running short. Um, (laughs) and I'm trying to figure out how to like free up some more time to do the things that I know will benefit me long term. And I think, the way that I've tried to shape my career here, but also online is like, how, how can I make it as well rounded and kind of insulated as possible? Because mm-hmm. honestly, all of the shit can just go away sure. in a second. Like people can just stop caring what you're doing. Sure. Like, I don't want to see your shit anymore. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to unfollow you. Not interesting. Right. Um, which is probably bound to happen sometime down the line anyways, but I think I've just am trying my best to a, let people get to know me and invest in me in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, getting into YouTube, longer form videos, like more education type stuff Mm -hmm. and really trying to help, help as many people as possible is really my goal. And Mm -hmm. that was the goal with 
signing on to ladder and doing mm-hmm. a, a subscription based program mm-hmm. where I can actually really help people elicit yeah. change in their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see YouTube going. That's how I'm going to continue with all of my social media with mm-hmm. collective collective is just like such a nice little home for me. Mm-hmm. And that's always the purpose that it's served. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about those times when we were first starting and I really, I didn't have nearly as much to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I was active on my social media, but I wasn't doing as many things. So yeah. we used to just get to like shoot the shit here and like I know. hang out in the sauna and everybody goes to two hands. And right. those were definitely like golden days. So <laughs> it just feels like home to me here. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have the same trajectory as some of you guys might mm-hmm. have with collective where like Tim is the director of sports performance. Like mm-hmm. he's going to be working with athletes long-term yeah. you have your podcast and your full-time training here. And so like my, my hand is probably not quite as far in mm-hmm. the cookie jar with collective, mm-hmm. but it is my home and I am invested in its success. And it's very important to me to, you know, do what I can to contribute here. Mm-hmm. And the way that I do that is just like really being consistent with my clients and connecting with the members mm-hmm. and yeah, just doing all the shit that I can do well. Yep. Just do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, before I let you go, I just want to say the one piece you said at the end there, you haven't forgot no matter the success and all the different things you've been able to do and diversify successfully, the main thing, keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is helping people. A lot of people get distracted and they forget about that root of the true reason for like the craft. And Mm -hmm. some people it's like, Oh, I was a former athlete. So I'm just going to train this person how I would train. And they don't make it about them and their journey and make Mm -hmm. them the hero in their journey. Um, that's something that is super special. So don't lose that. Thank you. Well, that's kind of the crux of the issue with a lot of influencing now, right? Where like the number of influencer coaches that I know that have never been coaches is pretty staggering. Yeah. And like when you've never actually worked with a client Mm -hmm. one-on-one, or maybe you have like a couple times, Mm -hmm. it's very different from having 10 years of so many different personalities, body types, sure. goals, it runs the gamut. And so yeah. like when you scale that, you have a general understanding mm-hmm. of how you can help the most people. Whereas yep. like, yeah, like you said, some people just look at it through the lens of like, well, this is what I know. This is what I do. And so this is what you're going to do. Sure. Or like, this is what I'm going to give you. And like, oh, it's not working for you. You're the problem. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, so. Yeah, that's shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate course, yeah. those kind words. If you make $10 million five years from now, yeah. a year, let's say, you know, being conservative. Okay. Do you see yourself still doing a few one-on-ones? Yeah, I think it keeps your tools sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people that have done, I think you did this for a little while, right? Where like you were just training on your own, like going to people's homes. Independently. Yeah. I used to rent, rent space and do things like that. And like, I've done that for a short period of time before too. And it's relatively uninspiring. And it's because unless you're actively seeking out, putting yourself around 
other coaches and also, you know, problem solving with clients, you just get too far removed from what it really takes to be a coach, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so like when you're not doing those things on the fly and you're not regularly flexing those muscles, mm -hmm. it becomes harder and harder for you to actually do that job well, for in sure. my opinion. Yeah, I think about it the same way. Being able to be present, meet people, like being a coach, doing the one-on-one -on -one stuff, it just, it puts me in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. Potential deal flow, new connections, new relationships. And if I was set financially tomorrow, I'd still show up and probably do my 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. and my noon, you know, yeah. and be open to seeing maybe one more because I, I think, you know. Yeah. That's the, that's the Khalil, center of it all. I think Khalil said this to me at the beginning. Were there crystals around them uh, when he said it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was like, I, I would love to see you get to the point where you do this because you love it, not because you have to do sure. it. Sure. Um, and honestly, I'm probably at that point now mm -hmm. where like if I left doing in-person training, it probably wouldn't be the end of anything no. for me. Um, but I, yeah, I really love it. And mm -hmm. I love my, I love my clients. I love being here with you guys. Mm -hmm. So it will take a lot for me to let that go. I yeah. probably would tone down my schedule a little yeah. bit and kind of like roll in at the nine, 10 AM sure, hour sure. and <laughs> do a couple, two tree sessions uh -huh. and see you later. But it'll always be at least a small part of, of what I do for sure. Love it. Yeah. Is that it? Kelly Matthews, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's it. I appreciate you, and I'll see you out there. Thanks for having me. Mm.